This is the Very Finnish Problems podcast with Joel Willens. Find us at facebook.com slash veryfinnishproblems. For links to some of the things we discuss on the show and to learn how you can get new episodes directly to your smartphone, please visit veryfinnishproblems.com. And we're recording now, so you can just... You can do your thing and, oh, okay. and start the show. Right. When, um, hello, hello, everyone. Here we are again. Very finished problems. Podcast number. Thomas? Uh, I have no fucking <laughs> clue at this point. It's, I have literally no idea. Anyway, I think I it mean, might be unlucky number 13. It might be. It might oh, be, really? but not unlucky today. No, because we are very fortunate and blessed to have a special edition. It's a it's a world first on, on, many, on many ways. For a start... Uh, it's Thomas's first podcast where he's no longer my employee, which means he's no longer self-censoring at all. So everything he says is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. So yeah, Joel Willens, creator of Very Fish Problems, uh, and the author of 101 Very Fish Problems, and and the newly launched. Uh, more very finished problems and even more essential to guide to surviving in Finland. Yes, indeed, people back by popular demand. Book number two of very finished problems and number three of my writing career. And But I'm we're gonna, not talking uh, about gonna, my book. No, no, no. I'm going to stop self self censoring right okay. there and improve your mix <laughs> technique because you need to keep uh, it like really okay, close. Sorry, here. sorry. There you and go. That's he may you, have left my employee, <laughs> yes, but he's still that's telling what me what you get for not do. building a proper studio. <laughs> so anyway, um, less about me yes. and, more, and more about our special guest, who is uh, Joanna Newland. How was that pronunciation? Yeah, or you can just say Joanna Nyland in English. Uh, I do. It just makes it <laughs> a lot Newland easier for people. Newland, Newland is a bit. Is it? I can do it. Typically, I, I always know. get people, I guess, names wrong. But I think we're like, uh, I was quite, I thought I'd nailed yours. But obviously, there well, are. Well, yeah, you're yeah, doing okay. Enough. But maybe thank we could stick with the English. Okay, thank you yeah. very much. Okay, and uh, the author of Sissel, The Finnish Art of Courage. That's right. That's right. And I don't know. Typically, what we do on on the very first problems podcast is we take a we take a problem from my book. I don't want to keep harking back to my book because it's not about my book, but and then we discuss it. And we do have a problem here uh, about Sissel, which uh, you're not I, even going to give them a sneak peek from the the new book. Are you? Uh, I haven't got anything about Sissel. I don't. I think I have oh, got stuff about okay. Sissel in the new book, but it's something like. Oh, I can't find it now. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Uh, blah blah. Yeah, <laughs> luckily audio is very easy to edit. Right, yes. that's why you're so relaxed and. Uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, okay. So yeah, problem. This problem. This week's edition will be problem number forty-four, which is perfect for you actually, because you've written an entire book about it. And it's <laughs> when you don't understand Sissel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, when you went, when you were asked to do this. Uh, What was your initial reaction to someone suggesting you? I mean, what talk us through the sort of whole process and how you approached and what you know how this mm-hmm. how this idea began? Well, I'd basically um, well, I'd, I'd sort of been following the scene with all these Nordic phenomena and sort of thinking, you know, to myself that well, there is an obvious one missing, you know, and nobody had published a book on Sisu, but there were lots of books about Danish hygge and Swedish lagom and things like that. And then when I was approached by uh, by Octopus Books in the UK to and and they asked me if I could consider writing a book about Cecil, then I said, yeah, absolutely. But my second thought was obviously, how in the world do I actually fill an entire book about this phenomenon that I always sort of felt is a bit more like, you know, it's in your backbone, it's a gut instinct and. And I think lots of Finns never really take the time to formulate for themselves what CISO is. Um, but then we started sort of planning it and and looking at all the different aspects. <clears throat> excuse me, and um, what we could possibly you know milk it for and and sort of put up a a plan. Okay, what if it contained you know something to do with um, sports and how to motivate yourself? And what about something from the Winter War and you know this heroic always stories? You always have to you have always that. have to be a Winter yeah, War. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But then it sort of just all started coming together, and uh-huh. I, was, I thought it was really, really fun to to write, yeah, to think about and write. And I interviewed you for it as you well. You did Thank you so much me. for I'm being de- part of my book. No worries, an absolute pleasure. And needless to say, I hate to always bring the conversation back to me, but yeah, I did. Not really. Ta- <laughs> <laughs> I did take part, and it was interesting. I mean, in the in the the, the in my like for, problem forty four, uh, when you don't understand Sissel, is literally like. 
a page and a bit. Right, <laughs> so, so sure, yeah, yeah. It was quite short. Well, it was focused on not understanding it, so I guess. Yeah, this yeah. is absolutely true. Mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, I think you did a great job of looking at, looking at giving, talking about the history, talking about examples of it and, you know, how, how it's obvious in people's lives. And interestingly, after I did that, I got. I don't know if I told you this, but I got interv- an interview from the Telegraph, who typically I hate. Boo hiss, fascist. Well, I saw that you you were quoted. So I did you I, see I the real article? Yeah. I never saw the article. Oh, you, oh, you didn't. No. I'll send you the link. Oh, right, yeah, because it was an article about my book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then they'd called you, and yeah, yeah, they called uh, which me. I thought was brilliant. Yeah, she called me, and she asked me like a single question, and I went on for about three hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think I might have gone a bit. I think I'd been caffeined up that day, and uh, the, and she was asking me about what I perceived as you know how if this was really a thing. And I think I talked about um, what I felt were examples of, of modern day Finnish Sissel and how how society is so comforting and sort of, you know, so it's, Finnish society currently makes life so easy for most people that Sissel is not as necessary as as once before. I mean, Thomas is always keen to highlight the fact that Finland is the, uh, the last place to suffer suffer famine so but I think did you just look at my phone or did you just like, I just said that are you going to talk about famine <laughs> yeah, yeah actually I was going to I was, I was right. going to throw this out there because I mean this is naturally a fun thing you mentioned in a book light <laughs> reading book like this uh, like the, the last big famine in, in Europe yeah like, it is worth mentioning 1866 sure. to 1868 mm. apparently and that's after Ireland so mm. imagine that mm. uh, like British I mean that's people. when you need sisal isn't it yeah, you know, yeah definitely when you're yeah. eating bark bread was it birch bread or bark bread I was and really, I was I was at this lecture by, with a historian who talked uh-huh. about this famine and he he sort of he said that he was a I think he'd studied populations and things uh-huh. like that and he said to to all of us in the audience that well you actually you you sort of exemplify the survival of the fittest because all of your ancestors uh, right. were actually the ones who were tough enough to to survive physically wow. you know wow. so how maybe, do you feel about that Thomas I would just like um, ask about cannibalism <laughs> <laughs> I mean right. that's that's a part about famines that nobody wants to talk about mm. eat, yeah, eating dead people yeah <laughs> Well, maybe it's just as well that we don't really know how yeah, they got yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, well, but we're an, here now. So yeah, we're here now. Mm. That's an interesting insight. I think you can safely assume my ancestors were far more foppish than that, and not so far. But like, uh, no, I, mean, I, I always throw this out there when this comes up. I mean, people should like perhaps remember remember Finland as a like newly rich country. I, I mm. always try to emphasize that because mm, it wasn't that long ago. This was dirt poor even compared to Sweden. And, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, but I don't think it's I've talked about much the famine, is it? I mean, I don't, no. I don't, I don't want to get all dark on a happy go lucky. I think vodka. it's probably because so much happened in the 20th century, yeah, you know, yeah. that sort you of overshadowed even the famine. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we're still kind of a lot unpacking. Of misery in a short period yeah, of time. We're still unpacking those things and yeah. then trying to deal with them. So, I mean, this famine. I mean, it basically coincides or like predates even perhaps the like, big. Uh, national romanticism, like movements and all that. Yeah, so, I, mean, I guess it does. Yeah, they, 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 they were busy having a famine or recovering from it when they started building a national identity. So, mm. I mean, it wasn't maybe on the. Well, agenda. Maybe that was some mm. sort of consequence of the famine. That, like we survived, and it brought people together. If they mm. weren't eating each other, mm. I mean, so, there, there, there was a civil war a few decades later. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. Um, it was the, very the, the sense of of a grand grandiose we wasn't maybe on the agenda yeah, as much. Yeah, yeah. True. Mm. Yeah, but um, so I mean. That is a good point that, you know, Sissel you know, is something in your genes as a result of the fact you've had many generations of people suffering, suffering misery and hardship. Mm. But um, do you think, I mean, you talk about it in the book about like how you can ha- be act in a Sissonic is that even a word? I've just made up, wow. just made yeah. up a new Sissonic. verb. That's brilliant, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah Sissonic way. That sounds like a band from the nineties, doesn't it? <laughs> does that, uh, do you think? I mean, do you think is is? I mean, how would do you think is valid that you know you can have Sissu in your life and a yeah? Well, I, I try to argue. I try to argue that yeah. you can you can use Sissu. You know, it's something that uh, as a concept that you yeah. can try to sort of make it more concrete in your life. And of course, that kind of borders on you know, self-help, yeah, which we yeah. talked a little bit about um, earlier and, and also just being a motivational book, which it is. But I think I, I sort of, I took the approach of looking at famous Finns or, or Finns who are famous for their Sisu rather and and uh, thinking about sort of what what was it that characterized them and where did they get their strength from? Uh-huh. And for instance, um, Bata Degaman, this mountaineer and explorer yeah, 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 who yeah. I interviewed and he, yeah, he really him. believes in Sisu yeah, you know, yeah, as yeah. a force. Yeah. So it was really interesting to, to talk to him and I 
I interviewed him for the book, you know, to, to sort of understand, okay, how do you actually use it in practice when you're, when you're really up against yeah. something, you know, really, really difficult um, between a rock and a hard place. And, and he, he gave some really helpful hints about yeah. how he thinks and how he actually uses it. So it's, uh, as it is a part of psychology as well, it's part of a positive psychology uh -huh. now as, as a concept. Um, I really think that it's something that you can, uh, you can sort of, you know, if, if you're interested in uh, improving different areas of your life, then why not look at CISO and see sort of what you can, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, take He's an interesting that. example because he does literally go and live in the exactly. Arctic for like, like four months, doesn't he? He does, I yeah. met him as yeah. well at like this ping thing and uh, there was all these like YouTubers like and all these like various like social media influencers who like, you know, do reaction videos about chocolate <laughs> and there's him who's going, yeah, I'm just off to the Antarctic for going to live in yeah. like a tent for four months. I was like, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's a very hardcore, and uh, he he's a lovely bloke actually. He is, I don't he know, is really lovely. Nice, yeah. So, but I just think, I mean, he's a, he's an extreme example of someone. Yeah, he is. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. about people like you know Howard Thomas, for example. Yeah. Do you think Tom? How do you think Thomas? Well, I interviewed some <laughs> some sort of quote unquote regular people yeah. as well, um, just to to sort of get well, a, a balance with these things. And I think people, there's a couple that I, I interviewed, for instance, just thinking about how Cecil comes into how we deal with people in Finland. You know, our relationship. And, okay. and I think we we have this. Uh, I think we have a lot of hidden, perhaps hidden strengths in in that we are quite forward and direct uh -huh. in how we deal with people, and and that's something you can utilize in your family and yeah, you know, yeah. your romantic relationships and so on. So I, I think I, I make a fairly convincing case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but they, they were actually really making a difference between being rude and being you know yeah, straight and direct honest, and communicating honest. honestly. Yeah. And so I I try to to and also in business how to communicate honestly in business yeah. um, think, the so Finnish you, way is something I also take so you think the honesty you think honesty requires Cecil then because it requires yeah. a certain quiet courage to actually yeah. be honest rather sure than dilly dally around the point sure it does yeah. yeah and of course some people use it to excuse you know bluntness or rudeness and, and I don't think that's that's not a good aspect of CISO. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it yeah. might be. It's sort of the, the dark side of CISO, possibly. That yeah, you're yeah, too stubborn or you're like too direct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next one coming up. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, okay. So when people talk about CISO, I mean, I always think of, of an example. It was my dad's um, paternal grandmother who... Um, I th I think she she made a big point of how, how she enjoyed the small things in life. Mm. For, for for example, just like cherishing cherishing the first like warm spring sun by taking the typewriter out to a balcony when when she did her clerical work. I can't remember exactly what, wow. but, but I mean, mm. when you talk to regular people, uh, are you what sorts of things come up uh, in terms of so for, for me, it's just enjoying the small things and then like. Uh, not worrying too much about the big things and just mm. for, like trying to get some sort of focus but w what's in it for normal people or what does it look like mm, that's a good question well something that comes up or came up a lot is the weather of course mm. and and enjoying mm. you know the different seasons and i think also i mean i guess i guess we don't want, get like, me started on the weather right. we're here all day <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but like i mean of course it's you know you you typically associate having season with surviving winter but it's also like you say that you you appreciate you know the first rays of sun in in springtime and people go outside and they sort of, you know, worship the sun and they kind of um, do just do a lot more than than they do in the UK, for instance, where, which I've noticed. You just moan, basically. And yeah, like, uh, and, and it's like, I think we maybe we are sort of better at seizing the day, you know. Yeah, that's, in, that's, in that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, I always remember the first time I was, I think my first year in, in Helsinki and I was walking down, I think it was Kalavanka. I had my first flat on Kalavanka. I was walking down the street and uh, there was a, a, an old couple just staring up at the sky and so I just stopped and looked up at the sky and I was like, there's what nothing is there. What is that? And I realised they were like, just like tulips coming out and they were just literally had their eyes closed and they were gazing up at the sun and soaking yeah. up the rays. I was like, that is weird. Sure. And now I it's do exactly the same. It's not anymore, is it? Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Sometimes that was just the first stage of an alien abduction. <laughs> <laughs> and then they disappeared in a ping. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think... Um, yeah, seizing the day—that's a good point. I think. Mm. I mean, when you live in a place where, where I mean, this this summer's been incredible, but typically, mm. I mean, when you have, a, you know, mm. saying that actually, even when the sun comes out, I moan about the weather being crap, and then when the sun comes out, I still sort of, I'm, I still haven't become Finnish enough that I'll rush you out and go and hike. Do you, right, know yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. But this is something some people uh, have an issue with summer in that it's sort of, um, I don't want to misuse like 
pathologizing terms, but people are sort of in a manic state where you are sort of Mm. encouraged to enjoy things frantically you know, and just focusing on work during a summer for example can mm. make you f- feel like miserable because you should be outside even yeah. though, you, even though you potentially don't have an activity you enjoy outside no, during the summer exactly to be honest there's actually a part of me that feels relief when autumn rolls around because mm. well, you don't have then to you be sort outside. of you get permission to actually just, yeah, just go flop back inside about in your bed. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> work in your pants. just stay on the sofa you yeah, know, yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. the next three months yeah no i totally relate to that i mean i, I like sunshine i love warmth yeah me too. But i like it to be constant and continual and i don't so mm. i don't have to worry about it disappearing mm. and i think definitely the idea of like you know summer cottage life which we've touched on on many occasions yeah, in this podcast which I also mentioned yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that is I mean that's the practical I mean that's very much an embodiment of Sissel the idea of going to summer cottage and not chopping shit down just for the sake of it so I think um, yeah finished summer is different in the sense that not only are you encouraged to do stuff but the stuff you're encouraged to do is often quite manual and hardcore in nature mm. rather than being just like flop around, laser around the beach or relax. It's not a relax. Finish summer is not net relaxing. It's mm. a little bit about per- like performing things. It's yeah, like performative it is, yeah. uh, vacationing or something. Yeah. Um, and that, of course, I mean, people in Finland don't have very strong ties to cities uh, yet. Mm. People have their ideals about having the summer cottage, which is like lovely in its own way. Mm. But if you don't have the means or you don't want to maintain a summer cottage, uh, you know, just like enjoying summer in, in the cities, is that's somehow like still novel for people, mm. a novel idea for many people. You always feel sorry for people who are stuck in the city for the uh, summer, basically. Yeah. It's you know, strange because yeah. it's yeah. such a beautiful city yeah, to be it stuck is. in, isn't it? Like, like, it's I, just I, our mindset, you know, yeah, we always crazy. go, it's like back to nature. Like, yeah, uh, it's insane to me. I mean, I'm from the countryside anyway, but I mean, you know, I just think Helsinki is such a beautiful city when you're so nature is so easily accessible like I mean the other day I posted a picture of Helsinki on my Instagram and like people going oh I don't know how you live in Helsinki there's so many people it's like there are not so many people and I live right in the throbbing heart of town more or less and I can look out my window on a Monday morning and there's no one it's like literally I'm like where the fuck has everyone gone has it been like an overnight zombie apocalypse (laughs) has everyone just because it freaks me out but like so I mean it's all relative this is an aspect of Finnish culture I, I, I actually have some trouble with or I, I can't stand it like it's a lack of understanding of being in in uh, public spaces uh, just people being uncomfortable around other people uh, so, and people having no manners like getting in and out of like trams and metros mm, and I mean just, just dealing with crowds that's, that's hard for people yeah. uh, sometimes and true. It, just, it takes I mean, practice. And you know, just 20 yeah. years of not leaving the, the, the city and just like living in a proper urban space with, uh, that does wonders for people. But It's all this not... Finnish idea of private space as well. Like, yeah. you know, the idea, you know, that you should have 40 kilometers to yeah, the next yeah, level, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. And but, I mean, and Finland is, is, a, is a bizarre version of, of suburbia in a sense. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, the Helsinki capital region is geographically the size of like the greater London region, yeah, but with one eighth of the, uh, of the the population. Mm. So, so we 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 idealize a lot of things that aren't like really sustainable. And you know, the problem with suburbia mm. is that it um, requires you to combine the worst aspects of cities and countryside living. <laughs> it wastes like actual nature you could have you could spare instead of like having big uh, highways built through it mm. so there's a lot of uh, misconception about uh, how you should be in touch with nature in Finland and there, there people sometimes like decide that Finnish people's like special relation with nature mm. I, I believe that's largely horseshit because <laughs> people have this like idealized suburbanized version of, of, yeah. of uh, what, what nature is and how you should um, relate to it I think that that sort of ties back to what you said about national romanticism mm. you know that that movement I think is still quite alive oh, and well, well in our yes. midst because we have this romanticized view of nature yeah, but your romanticized, but Finnish romanticized view of nature is very like it's basically forest and lake yeah it? so and it's, it's also like, quite harsh I mean I think that's one thing as well that I talk about in the book is that our love of discomfort you know that we don't really yeah. that even in this day and age when we can basically afford to have you know this everything in yeah, our yeah. summer place and a lot of people choose to not you know yeah, keep them out with with all the latest gadgets and central heating yeah, and yeah. wi-fi and all yeah, these things yeah. some people do 
but yeah, a lot of people, people don't. And there's still this idea that you should be you should be sort of hauling your own drinking water, and it should be yeah. hard work to get there. And then once you're there, you should be working Absolutely. hard. Yeah, I mean, that, don't get me started on that. The, the Finnish concept. Of, well, I, I'm I'm from Helsinki. I've never had to like mind the snow a whole lot. Mm. But the Finnish concept of lumitia, which is like a, a favorite <laughs> object of hate for all my friends who are not from Helsinki or right. are from suburbia, where you sort of have when during winter there there is snowfall and then you have to deal with the snow including on the roof of your like single family home mm. um there's a lot of manual labor involved in mm. in in maintaining a sort of Mm, modest version of the McMansion uh, <laughs> ideal. But I can tell you, I'm from the countryside, and there people don't really romanticize Lumitia. <laughs> people are not happy about that. Just I think now with, with social media, you can sort of, you know, the the only thing you can get out of it is basically brag that now you've been out for three hours and yeah, look at yeah, the yard yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was this hard. Um, but, but but aside from that, it, this, there's nothing fun about Lumitia. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm from the country as well. We didn't have. I mean, for us, snow was very different in the sense that if I pull back the curtains of my house and it was snowing I was like yes because I knew at least three days off school the whole country comes to an end no one worries about Lumidur which I'll probably pronounce terribly because it'll melt in a few days anyway Yeah. but getting back to your point about like uh, summer cottage being hard work I just I, I sort of wonder if that's a combination of it's a generational thing and also it's like sort of the it, Luther, it is, Lutheran thing some, of sort of pain you know that's what people work. say you know people talk a lot about this Lutheran work ethic but most of those people never see the inside of a church well, so I don't true, really know, you know it, what, how, how they feel feel that it has sort of filtered down but well, maybe, maybe it has yeah maybe yeah has. i don't know i mean it's definitely because not I even think some books. young people are also sort of you know continuing this this hardship thing with with the summer cottage yeah, so it's I not just a generation thing but is that a learned behavior i wonder because i was speaking to mm, them, i mean i have probably friends is, yeah. i mean i'm very much a hammock book summer cottage kind of guy yeah, yeah. which doesn't go down particularly well with air. i mean and it's not just I'm, my wife for example she's very enthusiastic uh, I mean, exactly. Even whilst I was in, in Athens this weekend, and thanks to everyone who I went with, great, great weekend. Uh, they, she was sending me photos of my, her. Uh, and my son on the roof, <laughs> like getting moss off the roof, <laughs> and there's me on like you know sipping sipping cocktails on like balconies overlooking the Acropolis. <laughs> I felt zero guilt whatsoever because I know they're having fun. <laughs> but I mean th- that I think she's she's into that so she's an example of that but I do know I know other people who can't stand the fact when they go to the summer college mm. they have their their sort of parents are doing this so, so I'm wondering yeah, if it's I'm the hammock but, type but, yeah, well. I would put it this way people don't see the insides of church as much but they do see the inside uh, insides of outdoor latrines loose <laughs> so, so there, there, there is this sort of like um, weird source of motivation to maintain these mm. infrastructures mm. but I think it's also a bit of guilt isn't it guilt guilt of luxury yeah and also uh, you might have inherited the, your summer cottage and, mm. uh, and, you know, and there might have been a big fight in the family uh, over the inheritance and, and now it's That's yours and now it's you're well. splitting between it. three different families yeah, you all hate you. each other yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it, it's time timeshare some steroids yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. I mean, but so I think maybe the, the positive aspect. I, I still think there is a positive aspect that you try to sort of maintain some kind of connection with nature that yeah, you absolutely. feel has been stronger in the past, and you feel a bit more sort of removed from it now. But you're you're longing for for it to be you know stronger, because what we have in Finland still. I mean, again, I'm comparing to the UK is that we don't have, we have a lot of nature that isn't manicured. You know, we, we have we have wilderness. Yeah, we yeah, have where these you can like die real forests. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think there is something maybe in our, you know, Finnish soul, which sounds a bit trite, but anyway, um, that still kind of longs to to connect with that, whatever it is yeah, that yeah, our ancestors yeah. felt when they, you know, came here and decided to stay. Yeah, yeah. Like my husband sometimes says that, you know, after that first winter, they decided to stay. They were <laughs> idiots. They were, they were probably chased by the Mongolians or something. I work at the premise that probably, had no yeah, choice. Probably, <laughs> but I would, you know, it would be interesting to know yeah. what they're thinking was but anyway now it's all right yeah no i agree that the idea that you i can actually understand that sort of like i mean you, you made the comparison with the uk i mean i'm from the the 
wildest wildest but i'm from deep dark countryside we talked about this before the podcast many times and i mean to give an example my local football team was called Ipswich town and their nickname are the tractor boys so you get a sense <laughs> right, of yeah, like yeah. Uh, but still it's i there is nowhere in suffolk i think i could get lost and die i mean it, I, I probably could but typically most people so can't that's your definition of wilderness well i think so yeah. getting lost and dying or mm-hmm. just getting starving to death and you know get, mm-hmm. so uh so yeah you're absolutely right there are a few, there are a few places in the uk like the highlands of Scotland, maybe the Yorkshire Dales, where that's a possibility, or the, like mm. the mountains of Wales. But yeah, our countryside. Where you don't is have a very, connection with your, you know, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah, the the, uh, the you won't meet people, and the distances are more. But it's definitely the case that here, when I go to the when I go to the forest, I do get pissed off, even if I'm in the summer cottage. And I haven't seen anyone. The longer I'm in the summer, summer cottage and the longer I'm in the forest, the more feral and wild I become and the more I despise people coming near me. So whilst I was mm. writing this, actually, more very finished problems and even more essential guide to surviving in Finland available from all good bookshops. <laughs> uh, there was a thing I was writing about a personal space uh, and a... A speedboat came past on the lake, and I was like, "Oh, just fuck off, your motor!" And he must have been about like three kilometers away. So my my personal space was getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's like sign of life somewhere in the distance. It's uh, annoying. That, that's mm. uh, but that's also part of the scenery in a way. I mean, mm. I my my yearly contact with nature is that I go sailing uh, one once a year for for mm-hmm. a week or so, and uh, the sort of life in Arch- in the archipelago, which is like relatively densely populated mm. that there you sort of uh, i don't get annoyed by seeing other people just an, it's an aspect of how people live around there and i don't know it's you you have a you have a funny expectation of of no people and still you live you live in a place where you have like a heavily subsidized infrastructure you can drive to your like Prisma, like local mm. chain of street. You just malls. don't want to see anybody there when you get there. Exactly. I don't know. I just, I just feel the longer I'm in the forest. I mean, I like people, but I like people on my terms. Mm-hmm. Like I hate, for example, if I'm at home and someone just randomly knocks on my door. I can't. I like to be prepared for people, and I like the longer I'm away from people, it's very the more finished, intru- I think. Yeah, the more interesting. And I've definitely people that say to me. I, you know, how have you become more Finnish? And I'm like, no, not really. But then I realized that in fact I have, and I have like, it's probably exaggerated traits I already had uh, and lessened traits, you know, that are less Finnish. So yeah, being away from people and not wanting to be sort of hassled is, and I think if I stayed in the forest forever, then I would just go full feral, massive beard and just go total hermit. So that, I, I can't stay there too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise I'm never coming back to civilization. Mm-hmm. But um, getting back to the book in terms of like, uh, clearly, other than the section, other than my interview, what would be your favorite, <laughs> <laughs> what would be your favorite part of the book? What was the, what was the thing you enjoyed most writing about? Or the words of things and things you learned. I'm gonna have to actually check yeah, the gonna... table of contents. Um, <laughs> not that it's been that long. Well, I think I think probably um, I think communicating with CISO is probably my my sort of personal favorite because it's sort of what the honesty in yeah the honesty and also just the business communication the the personal communication equality you know yeah. all these things that I think. Uh, the, the finish, the things that we appreciate in Finland and have worked hard for, and I think you can sort of, you know, relate back to CISO a bit. I think that was I was very inspired to to write that, and also to to just think about how we actually communicate because I think that, you know, we might get um, a bad bad sort of we have a bad track track record sometimes when it comes to being very straightforward and people uh-huh. consider us blunt and impolite and all yeah, that. Yeah. And I'm trying to argue that no, actually, there's there's a lot to be said for yeah, yeah. to actually speaking your mind rather than you know just worrying about not being polite enough. Yeah. I so mean, I think getting that message out was important for me personally. Right. Actually. Okay. That's interesting because I think that is I've never considered uh, Finnish honesty as being like centered around sister. But now you mention it, I mean that does sort of make sense. Um, and it's a trait that I think yeah is 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 very useful in the modern world mm. and at first quite shocking to, to certainly to like you know people from the UK who sort of dilly dally around things and yeah. lovely yeah. <laughs> dilly distance. There, there are no like middle. There's no middle ground between no. a lovely and, and get out is, of my business. The thing is, you can almost <laughs> never tell what someone is actually thinking. Well, this is the thing. You have to sort of be able to decode what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, to say, yeah. 
Yeah, like you know, the, I think there's a there's a kind of meme or something, you know, where people say things like, uh, "Well, I don't really think maybe that's the best idea," and basically what it means is your idea is crap, you know. And and of course, you don't have to say your yeah, idea yeah. is crap, but but it's always you have to always sort yeah. of be able to you have to run everything through this decoder. I feel when you talk to a British person, yeah. and I've talked to a lot. I mean, I've lived there, and I've oh, you lived there, did you? I'm very familiar with with Where the UK in the in Scotland. Oh, did for, you? Yeah, but um, I mean, I've studied you know um, English lit and. Uh-huh. I've been, you know, so and and even so, I still feel yeah, yeah, after yeah. all these years, I still feel like I'm not being polite enough. Yeah, Have I yeah, said yeah. all my pleases and thank yous? Welcome and, to my world. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah it's but, like a, and and some a part of me is recently. actually relieved. You know, when I I come back home or I talk to someone Finnish, I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> finally, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Don't have to bother with all this bullshit. <laughs> if you want a fun passive aggressive take on this, is that when you when you when you are in on the these funny islands in the North Atlantic, you always confuse people because people can't decode your your place in the social hierarchy from your mm. precise accent. They can't yeah. tell mm, uh, they can't tell off. within a bracket of 10,000 pounds how much your parents made when you were 10. classify you. So you can you can maybe have have that <laughs> that, that little joy in life. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just think, oh yeah, they, they, that would that just freak them out. But yeah, I mean, um, that is fucked up. I mean, the whole like, I mean, I've got a Dutch mate. He says he hates he hates British politeness because it's all lies. Basically, it's just lies. They never tell. It's can like, be. Yeah, mm. it's just like even though they don't mean it to be lying and mm. untruths, mm, it's exactly. never ever actually. There's it's like never actually. What they think. I think it's you have to be diff- really good friends with somebody for them to actually tell yeah, yeah, you what true. they genuinely feel. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Well, in your everyday, in everyday life, then yeah, everything's fantastic and lovely. So where did you live in Scotland then? Because Scottish people, I think, are probably more frank. I mean, I don't want to generalize about an entire nation. No, I, I think they are actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've spent and Northern I've, English actually. I lived as well. in Edinburgh for about a month when I was studying, and uh, so that was my first contact yeah, with Scotland. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, on the west coast, outside of Glasgow. All right, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely the case. I mean, people talk about the English, and typically when they talk about the English, they talk about the Southern English. But mm. I think Northern English have a reputation. In fact, mm. Northern English have a reputation of being sort of rude, which is basically they're being honest. Yeah. I think Southern English people, whenever they call and someone Scottish rude... Scottish people are even more honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think they actually have. I mean, I, I, I didn't are. feel like, yeah, it, it, they felt more Finnish, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely than the English. Well, if you look at the sort of geography, even if it all, like if you look at the north of England and Scotland on the globe, we can see it's all relatively, and you can see how how that's mm. a very bad representation <laughs> no no for everyone who can't see me i'm doing a circular motion <laughs> on the table but uh yeah it's interesting okay i'm gonna interrupt you right there and, and ask a, a question that has been like bothering me for years how, okay. how can you apply these fine principles of sisu and um just make finnish people more culturally extroverts Because currently, right now in my social life, I depend on Anglo people as icebreakers at all my parties. I need, mm, I need to, I need to like invite ca- at least two like or three Anglo cavalry, people to, to, right. to place in every room, and then they sort of like uh, loosen people up faster than like shots of vodka. <laughs> it's, it's funny how that happens. So well, uh, with all this like discipline and enjoying the small things and honesty and stuff, how, how can we get Finnish people to be less awkward? That is a good question. Uh, meaning, I don't have the answer to that. But I think maybe um, when I was in in uh, Moscow doing a sort of a publicity thing for my book when it came out in Russian, um, I spoke to the Finnish ambassador there, whose um, name I have unfortunately forgotten. But oh, he, that's how he's bound to be listening really as well. Ba- yeah, a lot of embassies I know, I'm terrible with names. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You were really nice. Yeah. Um, but he said that. I mean, he's he was probably I think maybe 45 to 50 years old, and he said that. Well, we're sort of through apologizing for things now. You know that there used to be a time when Finns were perhaps more known for for not having very good self confidence. But uh-huh. he really feels, and and so do I, that you know things are changing, especially with the younger generation and nobody has any chip on their shoulder anymore yeah. about yeah we're such a small country we don't have anything to give you know and all yeah those I things. hate that I hate that yeah. like oh we're a bit crap yeah. mentality yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure I you do because the... you're, you're always highlighting what's great about Finland and I think it's a I bit know. it is a bit bizarre that you need someone foreign know. if you know, know what I mean to actually that, but, come and do that for us because we don't we're afraid to do it ourselves yeah. because it's very no no you know but I've had to come across that someone's um, oh no someone's at my door ruining my 
train of thought. <laughs> but like, um, I, I've, I've come across that even before I wrote the books, it was like, I came across that in marketing all the time. And uh, there's nothing wrong with humility, but like, mm. if you've got something good, there's nothing, yeah, I come from a, a culture which is very much, uh, you know, we're very much into bigging up how how amazing or no, not even don't even big up how amazing the UK is but it's sort of like accepted mm. based upon like you know the you know the history of what we've done or I say we my ancestors mm. uh, and it's there for all to see you don't mm. it's just sort of a given that yeah, we like you don't have to prove yeah, you don't have to prove anything yeah. and uh, and so mm. I really have always found it really annoying mm. and almost like sort of sort of pious the way mm. you've like people have said oh yeah we're only small and a bit crap it's like no you've got an amazing exactly. thing that no yeah, one else yeah, yeah, yeah. so don't sit back and pretend that you're you mm. know it's, you're small just tell mm. the world mm. and I've always encouraged companies mm. to big up I've hated I've had some clients who remain nameless and I don't think they are any longer clients <laughs> who, who <laughs> pretended to be American yeah. they pretended to come from Silicon yeah. Valley rather than be finished but I, th I think this kind of plays in I mean self-confidence does matter when it comes to being you know extrovert mm -hmm. or how, how much space you you dare to take in a social setting yeah, yeah. and I think it is changing if you look at people who are like 20 now it's they, they're not like I was when I was 20 or my peers you know so I think I think there is hope that people just don't even remember necessarily all the the things that we yeah. were insecure about and they're just you know going for it which they should yeah. Yeah, Honestly, and I think maybe say. our books are helping. Yes, I hey, think so. I, I think so. Really the there is, there is this, but I think there's some separation between um, like mm, awkwardness and introversion and mm. uh, the uh, like the infamous Jantelagen, law mm. of Jante, yeah. uh, which is like this Nordic concept according a term coined by a Norwegian writer mm. uh, that describes the mentality of small societies mm. where you just require that people fit in. They, they, yeah. they should confirm and not express anything that would make uh, small-minded people feel that you're, you you think mm. you're better than them. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he did that as a parody. I, read, I saw an interesting BBC report about that mm -hmm. where they went around asking Norwegians if this was something they should cherish. And apparently, the right, he hate, he lives in a small town and he hated it. Oh, so of course. He, yeah, yeah, he hated yeah. it and he yeah, kicked yeah. a piss out of them with this list. But mm. then, Nor after a few decades, Norwegians sort of abused into the society to the extent <laughs> they didn't realise it was like a parody and they accepted it as a, right. actually something that should be cherished yeah. Jesus Christ don't think crazy, you're anybody it? yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the and I think it, it's very prevalent in Sweden uh -huh. and Finland too yes. that, that kind of yeah don't brag that's like that's like the you know the cardinal sin basically yeah, to yeah, brag yeah, about yeah. your achievements yeah I, that, I mean mm. I can understand that and people brag about their achievements are, are annoying but then I think if you have achieved something worthy yeah. of bragging when I, when I say brag I mean mention your achievement yeah. because <laughs> you're not even allowed to do yeah, that yeah, you know? yeah. not really mm. I mean okay okay. we need to think of this we need, we need to be generous and think of this in terms of small societies and yeah, you maybe don't want, to, sure. you want you don't want the weird guy in town to get all braggy about, mm. about his like cows or whatever when you're down Dancing around the flagpole mm. you know, on Midsummer's Eve or something because that just gets Ooh, annoying. Braggy fast. about his cows. But, but this doesn't. Whatever people are, are braggy <laughs> about in an agrarian society, <laughs> maybe his yeah. new plow or something. We should get Kiersey in here. She was born on a farm. They're probably always <laughs> bragging <laughs> about their cows and plows and cows and plows. Also, no, but I'm thinking like like eighty years back in time. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they still do now. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, don't don't brag about your plow but when you're, you're out in the country but when you're in a business meeting mm. or a cocktail party in, in the mm. city you should at least you know talk to people you know yeah yeah and I I, I also struggle with that a lot and I think the whole I, bragging I'm about your cows some, no, <laughs> yeah I'm trying to keep myself from bragging about that. no but how what to do at, in a, in a, at a cocktail party because I think even the whole to me like the whole definition of a cocktail party is that you go up to someone that you don't actually know and right. you get to know them right, you know okay. but, but that doesn't really happen in Finland people yeah, just yeah, kind of stand around looking, stand around looking, 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 looking frightened in a corner you know with your glass <laughs> as your only friend and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. whenever I try to to sort of you know uh just take my uh, courage in my hand and go up to someone and say hi. It's like, you know, what are you doing? Basically, like, <laughs> you who are you? You, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I agree with you that uh, I don't really know how to solve that, though. Maybe Joel is going to write a book about Finnish awkwardness next. How to speak in difficult situations. How to yeah, speak, just, full stop. Just a guide, you know, how, to, to, how to come out of our shell.
hotels and basic yeah. manners help. I mean, yeah. when you arrive at a party, sure. like just like having the having the uh, audacity to just go and shake hands with everyone. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. always yeah. thought thought to, uh, be the one breaking the ice. I, you know? yes. Don't yeah. just wait for someone else to do it. People thought me to do this as a child, and but it's not something like everybody does. Mm. But I think uh, Even, the key, yeah. a very simple top tip, which I'll give this to our audiences for free, mm -hmm. is to ask open questions. Mm -hmm. How, uh, what, why mm. here? Ask exactly. open questions. Finnish people never ask questions. And if you do ask questions, yeah. then the conversation is very one-sided yeah. oh, yes. and it it's doesn't true. go anywhere. And if you ask questions like with a yes or no answer, that also stops you. But typically, I've got like a, you know, I, I, you can even have people. I have people that are, you know, friends who I love and and cherish, but like who, who you know, I'll speak to, and it'll be like I will constantly ask them things. Okay, mm. this and is I, actually nicked straight from uh, Bill Carnegie, Carnegie's "How to Make Friends and Influence People." Oh, is it? Uh, I think, or So don't think you're anyone special. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't come up with this. But it's actually, obvious. actually, it's, it's a sales a great, thing. A sales and interviewing technique. But it's, it's such a great thing because I, I don't actually enjoy talking about myself. So always no, I don't. The same stories. Yeah. I've told the same stories about myself so <laughs> many times. It's very, very dull. And I'm genuinely curious about people. Yeah, and I don't understand. So right? Are Finnish people so not genuinely curious? Or are they too scared to pry into people's lives? Good question. Mm. I don't actually I mean, know. Mm, there are th this the uh, this annoying anglicism of asking people what they do. What what do you do? Like mm. it, it can be sort of normative. It assumes people have a day job and it's like an exciting day job. But mm. I, I read somewhere that in like in certain parts of France at least it's it's more common to like ask people what they did on their vacation or something or what they mm. and what they like doing I don't know I, and I, in I the don't US, know I French think it's more common to ask people how much money are you making yeah exactly uh, <laughs> people <laughs> really ask that they used yeah, to they ask they do, they yeah, do they yeah, used yeah. to ask that in London as well I think in well. the US it's, it's not I mean it's definitely an okay topic yeah, to absolutely. ask someone well, when I was working in Soho I was in London and yeah. it was very much typically one of the second or first question would be well, what are you on which basically meant how much money you are doing what are you on as in, yeah, yeah not, what, are you what kind of not, substances not are you using? No, exactly. No, what, are you, no, what are you smoking? Or shooting? It's just basically, what are you on? As in, like, how much money are you earning? That is and people funny. Too, needed to say when you answer that question, you would add in like 15% to the actual total sum. But it was very I mean, much like yeah. the next time you get that, you should just throw off like I don't get synthetic opioids. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Every available opportunity. Yes. What, about you? Well, what are you on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, what are you on? Kind of differently, definitely are meant different things would depend on the circumstances. But typically, when you're a pub, at lunchtime in Soho uh, it would be like how much money you earn mm. uh -huh. but like um, yeah the asking I mean you asked, talked about the what uh, what people ask you for about you, what job you do or what 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 you enjoy as a holiday mm. any question mm. that is an open question would open up other avenues yeah. of conversation you have to start somewhere yeah and yeah. I mean I, I don't know I'm, I don't know if people are scared of being nosy prying into other people's lives but I am when I meet people I like learning yeah. about their stories yeah, yeah. and I like learning about their lives and I like yeah. learning about them so I for me it comes very naturally mm. um, so and I, you know I have a tendency of talking too much and not necessarily listening as much as I should but even with I mean it, it seems to be rare for me that to meet Finnish people who are as enthusiastic about asking questions. Mm. So I don't know if that's a society. I think it must thing. be some kind of cultural aspect, but I think yeah. it probably has to do with being a bit shy. Yeah, you maybe. Know, that it, it might feel a bit presumptuous to start asking questions. I don't know, but I don't. I don't recognize myself in that description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also even the, if you don't ask questions, it's like you don't really care as well. Do you yeah, know? yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't give a fuck about what you're doing mm. in your life or. So but I, think, I think this is changing because obviously, I mean, the young generation is so influenced by, you know, in the internet and of yeah, course yeah. we've always been in influenced by the TV for a long time, but still, I mean, the, you know, the traveling so much and seeing other cultures and living in other cultures is going to change that for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think there's hope. There's, <laughs> <laughs> there's hope for the cocktail parties in yeah. the future. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, we don't run out of booze, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So, what we how are we doing for time? Because we did forty three minutes. Oh, we got enough. We got some more minutes here. So, okay, cool. I have a few questions regarding like modern day examples. I mean, we talked about like personality traits, but I mean, you know, Sissel's always harked back. We talked about the you talked about the Winter War earlier, and mm. I think you know that's that's of, considered like the golden age of Sissel. Mm. But do you think um, Finnish people now have? I mean, do you think they have this? 
And do you think also, I mean, first of all, do you think Finnish people actually still have Sissel? And secondly, do you think it's like this uniquely Finnish thing? Because uh, to an extent, I always think you've sort of ring-fenced a, a human trait, which is not, <laughs> yeah, it's I, not. Yeah, yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah, yeah. So you think I you think, still have I think it, people, you... yeah, I think Finns still have CISO and I don't think it's a unique yeah. Finnish trait. I think it's c- completely universal, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously. But it, it's just something like, um, I think Pata Degaman said that that it's something that we've, we have the advantage in Finland because we've named it and we've packaged it. Right, and okay, that's why we can tap into it because yeah, we know yeah. that it exists. Yeah, like yeah, there yeah. is this kind of extra fuel tank of strength that you can sort of tap yeah. into. So I think that's what we've done. But obviously it's not it's not you yeah. know, ours to, to claim in that sense um but but yeah i think i think Finns have it and i think um i think one aspect what you said something about using it in modern life and i think one aspect is is like you know in this really divisive political climate that we yeah. live in now you know standing up for what you believe in yeah, and standing yeah, yeah. up for those that are weaker than yourself i mean that's definitely i think CISO for for modern times whether it's, you know, point. because yeah. people, I mean, everything is so extremely polarized now and you, you almost feel like you, you have to pick a side. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. do pick a I side. I think sides are quite easy to choose from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree with uh, you. But well, I mean, then on the other hand, a couple of weeks ago, I think we had we had the former president of the United States like at a well-paid speaking gig in Helsinki at mm. Nordic Business Forum. And he, <laughs> he, uh, he as a center-right American politician sat and explained social democracy to an audience audience of Finnish <laughs> business leaders who, yeah. who probably like 40 to 60 percent of whom like <laughs> votes Kukupuolue, also known as Kokoamus. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, how should I put it without like getting into a political rant, there's a lot of Go things crazy, that are, <laughs> that are, <laughs> there's a lot of things that people admire about Nordic societies that are really the Mm. like results of long political battles mm. uh, that that fall under the big umbrella of like mm. in Finland's case post-war social democracy mm. and I'm, I'm not a social democrat uh, and a lot of these things don't work anymore but people tend to forget that uh, a lot of the things we have here and the things that work are things that were politically fought for and mm. Uh, also opposed by a lot of people. For example, yeah. like the, the much uh, praised school system we have, it's it's also a, the outcome of a political process. Mm, true. So, so these things shouldn't like. I, I sort of I have a slight distaste for like uh, the the um, for, for people just packaging up like the Nordic aspects yeah. of of Nordic societies mm. as just like facts of life when mm. they're not. No, no, it's very much a plan. And I think a strategy that we've kind of employed ever since the war when we basically had to rebuild our society from scratch. Okay, how do we want to do it? I mean, that's, I think that's, that's the end result that we see today. And and especially with Finland and with equality, you know, for, for women, which is something that I'm really happy about, obviously, I think that's something you can see this long term strategic work that has a basis in history, you know, that has a basis in an agricultural society where women were always part of the workforce work, and were strong quote yeah, unquote yeah, yeah. you know right, I don't you really like that term about the cows and milk yeah, the same yeah. Time, yeah you know so you, you might have a basis to sort of something to draw from but but still there's a lot there's been all this like you say the political decision making to make it possible and also we have s- such small societies so obviously rolling out a new idea is, is not going to take as long as, yeah, it, as it will in the UK or the US um, I mean just look at you know internet when I, I don't have the figures but you know how many people got into and how quickly it happened in Finland, you know, and how covered we are now. I mean, that's only possible because our society has a population of five yeah, million. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. obviously there's some things that our small size has really helped us with um, to achieve as mm. well. And there's also the aspect that we we can't really afford a British like class system mm. where um, you know where, where we throw away you. like uh, like eighty percent of the population and give them no edu- education. Mm. And, and we don't uh, have that burden of, of history yeah. either. The, the, not, the, not as yeah, much. But I there's mean, no critical mass of people to maintain no, a, 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 a post-industrial <laughs> knowledge economy without having a readily available education. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's not something, not a road you want to go down anyway. No, exactly. And, I mean, yeah. Yeah, people being uh, having positions of power merely because of no, I mean, yeah. but, but I mean, yeah. this is this is a road uh, already well traveled by Finnish politicians. For example, I have I haven't heard a single pleasant thing about doing basic research at Finnish universities 
universities after the uh, reform, like the uh, late last mm-hmm. decade. Uh, so that there are already big tendencies that are sort of corrosive to these or things. To chip to these. away at your uh, yeah, but, but, but for mm-hmm. example chip away at basic research at universities uh-huh. I'm, I'm not i'm not like an expert on these budgets but but i mean uh, the, the university of helsinki just three years ago with the uh, the current government's um, budget cuts they were forced to throw out people like who had very specialized knowledge in very specialized <sighs> it's rubbish, fields man, isn't it it's rubbish, yes, and, it's it's rubbish. Like, mm. Mm, and that's not how you do things if mm. you want to i don't know have mm. a good outcome of CISO. but maybe <laughs> yeah. that's yeah but that's where you can use your own CISO again because people are actually protesting now because when when I grew up and and you presumably I mean politics were really uninteresting and boring and it felt felt to me like yeah nobody protested or demonstrated well I mean I guess they did but it didn't feel like it and and nothing was polarized and it felt like basically all the parties were in the middle you know Mm. and now it's it's not like that (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's it's not like that and and it's I mean that's you know that can be bad or it can be good but the thing is you can now use your your CISO as a form of I think integrity and actually think about okay what do you want to see in society yeah, yeah, yeah. And peop- that the fact that people are demonstrating a lot more now I think is really healthy because that's a well. sign of a healthy democracy absolutely yeah. I mean the idea this is one of the things I mean you know Brexit don't get me started mm. on Brexit but like very Brexit problems by Joel yeah, Willens yeah, exactly <laughs> so yeah I ha- there is a very Brexit problem I know yeah, well, that's what I'm, I'm yeah, trying to yeah. plug it yeah, <laughs> no, no, very, yeah go, go check it out I was meant to be anonymous <laughs> about that but now the, the car oh, is out of the bag oh really I'm sorry no no you can cut that out it's now in the back of the book so they put it on the back of the book so now everyone did I yeah, I sent a letter to yeah, to everyone knows about it. I got I, sent, <laughs> I got asked to sign a letter to the Theresa May a couple of years ago amongst other people on big Facebook pages. And then and the next day we looked at our, our, our statistic our thingy bob we have our internet thing, which tells us who visits our website, and someone like MI five had come to the <laughs> Intake Media website or something. So yeah, and I've all, I've been ranting on Uli's podcast about Brexit. Have you being noticed bullshit. any black cars following you? Uh, I haven't yet, but I know I've stopped being invited to the ambassador's parties. So, so really, <laughs> uh, uh, no, just, no, not, just not you. You just didn't attend for the past ten yeah, years. Yeah, no, I'm probably still. There. I think once you're on the ambassador's party list, you're never never allowed off. So I still get, I still get invitations, but I just you're don't not allowed really off. You're go. begging to be allowed off. Yeah, but I totally agree about like the polarization of. I mean, I basically, yeah. the thing, the one redeeming feature of this whole fiasco is that people have realised that politics matter, yeah, and yeah. that they need to stand up for what they point, believe exactly. in, rather mm-hmm. than pissing around, taking things for granted. And one of the most disturbing things I see is a trend amongst young people that democracy and voting is doesn't matter or it's like mm. they're not really so bothered mm. and they take you know we're now coming to the generation of people who's you know they have can't have no one alive who was in a war so and they don't understand what people have fought and died for so and also and their people, life's been easy to they, they, or more critically actually people have no one in their lives who are still bitter, bitter about the civil war yeah, I mean, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, they're long gone, aren't they? So, but I think the idea of people coming political—I mean, I've always been polit- very politically minded. I ranted about stuff like quite vocally, and uh, Brexit for me is just—I uh, mean, I've had friends who are very apolitical who are now out on the streets campaigning, mm. like giving up. Le- I think it's impossible to be apolitical anymore. Exactly. I mean, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think I mean, even you, here, and, and you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. I think this that, is something that, about the spirit of the times. Yeah, and that is—I think that's. It. I mean, not only is it a good thing, it's actually quite mm. exciting. I mean, mm. you know. I hate Brexit. I think the the whole thing is absolutely idiotic. The most uh, epic, like national sort of self harm and own goal in British history. Mm-hmm. And I'll do. I've done everything I can, which is basically mean taunting and sh- sharing memes <laughs> for the last two years to stop it <laughs> happening. I've probably convinced no one, but it has been satisfying. And it's it been has, good for you to get it's it It's been out. good yeah. for me to purge <laughs> and enable me to. I mean, I've reached like five to ten million people a month for that. Oh, so I mean, yeah, taking the piss lot. out of people who voted to leave is probably not a very effective way of converting them but mm-hmm. nonetheless the tide is turning people are realised there's a march on October the 20th mm. it'll probably be the biggest I mean it, last time they had a half a million people there so it'll be a remain march and it'll be huge and those people I'd say like 90% of those people have probably never marched for anything in their mm. lives mm. so I think that's all good basically yeah. as long as we win if I had uh, what they what they in the uh, what, what they call a fuck you million like money you can just like do mm. anything you like with. Oh, like well, what, one, of the, one of the like my passive aggressive fantasies I have is to get <laughs> is, is to to rent a big red double decker, like paying some really nonsensical numbers of it, uh, and, and then driving it off a cliff in the highlands of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Statement. Yeah. I mean, the double decker, the bus thing has been found. There's so much. Co- and the great, that's another thing about Brexit the comedy value. I mean, if you compare the comedy value, I mean, if, and if you go to like a, 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 a lever, 
page. And I've actually popularized, I, I like to take credit for popularizing the term quitter, which now everyone uses. Uh, before, because otherwise it was this Brexiteer, which sounds quite sort of like fancy. It sounds like the Musketeers. It sounds quite like flamboyant. Do you know what I mean? Like buccaneering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, if you go to their pages, they are just so blatant. There's no like subtlety and it's just, it's just anger and ranting. But like the, the remain pages of which mine is like, I think the second or third. Ramona. Biggest, <laughs> the Ramona pages. Uh, they're just so much more entertaining. There's like a lot more subtle. Sure. And then the comedy is, is a lot more entertaining. And the bus, I mean, there's been so many brilliant bus <laughs> Bus memes and parodies. <laughs> so that, that, I mean, I always chuckle uh, as I watch watch the whole country, yeah, literally driving itself off a cliff. Mm. So yeah, but that's that's a good point actually. Sissel mm. for getting people to march. Yeah, and also just I think for integrity that you you know you can always be anonymous and venomous online, yeah, but maybe true. choosing not to. You know, why not stand behind what Ooh, you're saying with your own name? Ooh, I mean, that's, that's my dare in the book actually yeah, yeah, to, yeah, 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 to yeah. take it one step further because even in this modern uh, age, I think we can find new new ways of showing Cecil. That's a very that's good point, actually. Yeah, Cecil online by actually standing by your words yeah. rather than hiding behind an yeah. icon, which yeah, I do all it's the time. Cow- <laughs> I was just going to say it's cowardly, you know. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, no, it's yeah, true. It's a valid point. Own, well, for very, very Brexit problems, I purposely didn't, I mean, I'm very finished problems. It's clearly mine. I'm everywhere on it. <laughs> just like, mm. But very Brexit problems, I am not in any way ashamed about my stance. Quite the reverse. I'm very, you know, I'm very, very proactively proud to say I'm on the right side of history. Um, <laughs> And but I got so much abuse right, yeah, yeah, yeah. from angry old men, oh, white sure. English men, just sure. ranting. I mean, I'm now going to put after this conversation. I'm now putting my name on there <laughs> okay. as a result to showcase my. Wow, system. yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> and, well, I think we need a, Brex- a very Brexit promise, but. We do need a very. Bra- I, yeah. could have, I actually probably could have sold that. I think that, that should like write itself. Yeah, yeah, now, it would be easy. It, it would yeah. be easy. Well, I think some list, are, uh, you can make a big list of like foods you no longer can get hold of, <laughs> <laughs> and you can moan about the um, the dried foods, the uh, military hands off. There are so many problems. A lack of me- lack of medicines. But I think <laughs> I think one of the reasons I didn't do it as well is because I thought that people would think, well, what? And I know this has been the case. Like certain like you know lever ranters of like when anyone who's not living in the UK. Has had the mm. audacity to critique it. So, what the fuck's it got to do with you? You don't even live right. here anyway. So. so, there was an element of that. But I'd say quite the reverse is that, you know, it is very much affecting me to the extent that I may have to become a Finnish citizen, as much mm. as I'd love to be a Finnish citizen. But that also means having to learn it's Finnish. It's a hassle. Yeah. It's a massive hassle. It's unnecessary. Mm. And I like being a British European. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Who doesn't, yeah. need to, doesn't need to give that up. But mm. uh, I have got friends who've gone down that road. In fact, we went to Athens with a group so of my mates. I. And one of them, uh, Robin, if you're listening to this fair, fair fair, play for becoming the first of us to get Finnish citizenship and possibly the first but well, absolutely the first ever per- person born in a small Derbyshire village who is now Finnish <laughs> <laughs> and he went he travelled with his Finnish passport actually so so it is happening we are we are turning uh, to be kept down that go down that path but still it's just mm. annoying and unnecessary yeah, sure, and like sure fuck you is. basically yeah. Yeah, people yeah. who vote to leave but yeah anyway that is uh, <laughs> uh, now I think we should we start t- to wrap this out and we have a habit of going out with like very fine recommendations of culture or of stuff to listen to or uh, anything stuff to basic. read basically Tim, we didn't forewarn you oh, about this did okay. we so you can have a little moment to ponder right uh, no I, I already know uh, you know okay yeah. far away then um I'm trying to think of the name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Factfulness by the late Hans Rosling. Um, It's come out, I think, simultaneously in Swedish and in English. Um, Bill Gates calls it one of the most important books he's ever read. I've read it and it's changed my life wow actually it really profound. has yeah and i think it's a That's it's a wonderful book for anybody who's ever felt really worried or concerned about the state of the world oh, and about wicked. how things are going because what he does is he kind of the, the name factfulness yeah. is like like uh, an equivalent to mindfulness like mm-hmm. if you have the facts you worry less right, when okay. you actually know what's going on yeah, yeah, yeah. and he he argues really convincingly that most of us have a picture of the world a, a world view that is at least 20 years old and right, we're basing okay. it on 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 uh, facts that are outdated right. and he comes with the new facts okay, and it's just so convincing and it's so comforting and it's oh, also the... really for, for anyone who's uh, played with affluenza you know as we all are I'm sure uh-huh. in this part of the world yeah. it really sort of puts us in our place and helps like us to be more yeah from before from yeah yeah and and just kind of you know to realize that yeah we have so much to be thankful for and and actually 
not a lot to be worried about yeah, compared yeah, yeah, to yeah. how it used to be for us as well. But that, that's a great book and I really, I cannot recommend it enough. Okay, well that's interesting. A life changer. Is that the bloke who used to do, is he the Swedish or Danish bloke who used to do He's the... He's Swedish, yeah. And he, and he used to like, he explain was things really with like funny, Lego yeah. and stuff. I mean, and, he was like, he died, he died actually. Yeah, he died quite last year, yeah, wasn't it? Was that out of the blue yeah. or was that, was that... He had cancer and I think it happened quite quickly. Quiet, yeah, maybe? Yeah. yeah. They, they finished the book, he and his uh, son and daughter-in-law who've been working together. They have this uh, kind of a, a think tank as well. All right, cool. Um, and the book is really brilliant and okay. it's kind of like his legacy to right, the world. Okay. Is, it a thick, so, is it a many page book? Or it's a it? many page book but it's an easy read. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah, easy. Yeah. Lots of graphs, very, lots was, of like simple chapters. I think he's got 10 different points of factfulness. Right, okay. Yeah, because he was very, he was very, uh, very talented at explaining yeah. cha- uh, challenging concepts yeah, in an easy exactly. Like way. a really smart guy who can, you know, speak as a level like that Thomas, people really yeah. understand. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was a physician, wasn't he? And uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, specialized in like um, diseases, like and things like preventable, that. preventable tragic diseases. That, yeah. And he spent spent a lot of his time in 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 Africa, I think. Yeah, and, he uh, did many and, years. And uh, I've seen a bunch of interviews with him, and he talked a lot about like how how people suddenly aren't dying about dying mm-hmm. from preventable diseases exactly. anymore. Yeah. But also like the the flip side of what he says. I mean, he he sort of he talks about the. Um, he, he talks about the benefits of or the actual like trickle down effects of post Second World War econ- global economic growth, uh-huh. which is like it's it's a very double edged sword, obviously, because like colonialism is a thing, and people like in newly industrialized countries. You always countries, look at me uh, when you say yes. colonialism. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 I wonder why. All these things are horrible, but at the same time. Mm, and this is relevant to all these things people are worrying of worrying for regarding climate change and so forth. Mm. Uh, we are not really in a moral position to argue that um, certain people shouldn't have um, yeah. appliances like exactly. um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. fridges. That's what he brings up in the book yes. as well. Yeah. And uh, yes, mm. so so um, and also to worry about. He doesn't say that there aren't things to worry about, but he says worry about the right things. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Because that that makes a difference for the outcome. But, yeah. but yes, Hans Rosling, he's a he's a public intellectual whose whose work is definitely worth following it's crazy yeah. that you remember all that stuff all I remember is that he had glasses <laughs> <laughs> and he was on There's telly a, explaining yeah, stuff yeah lots of TED talks if, you wanna, if I want to annoy you, like a lot of my friends I, he, he made a compelling case for Global neoliberalism. Oh, there goes <laughs> yeah, half no, of that. Really, but, there goes Thomas's invitations oh, to any cocktail pies for the next six If months. I ever run into some <laughs> to a person who's into some sort of zero growth ideology, I bring up Hans Rosling. And um, yeah, but but uh, I have a recommendation. Mm, this actually might be just up like Joe's alley. This is like uh, a podcast from um, the How Stuff Works Network. Uh, oh, how like stuff that. works. It's called Behind the Bastards. It's a, it's a fun um, hour-long show where they go through um, the he- personal histories of um, the most horrible people in the world, historically, oh, like. currently. All right, wicked. And it, it, despots. Um, so from child, from birth like, to death, or, for, bit, or, or how they do yeah, it? Yeah, they... Make a condensed um, biography of people, and the, this guy who who show, the show uh, like the host he he always has a companion, uh, usually a comedian who who is not read up on the subject at, at all, and they they riff on it, and it's it's really it's really funny and enlightening. So it's all where are they all, from? The hosts, um, the Americans, oh, okay. and it's some, somewhat of an American uh, perspective, but n- not really. They they are fairly global. All right, cool, and. Uh, uh, for I mean, there, there are like everyone from Hitler and his friends to Paul Manafort. So you know there are <laughs> l- l- plenty of shitheads to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well there's lots to choose from, aren't there? So, no, yeah. so, so. but behind the bastards, it's, behind it's a, the it's bastards, a good one. yeah, cool, great title as well. Yeah, so I have this week, even though I say it's week, even though we don't do the weekly, I have uh, this. I went to this um, classical translation thing, like this classical like 
it was basically uh, in Hartwell in the Hartwell Stadium. It was it was epic sort of rave tunes put to classical music. I got some free tickets from uh, the man behind one of the men behind it, Oded Peled, who's a, a lovely bloke. And thank you very much for tickets. And half dozen of us went. And uh, yeah, it's now on Uli apparently, where you can see the whole concert again. And um, it was just for me. I mean, I'm a bit of an old school raver, and to see those some of those those anthems redone on a big stage with loads of lights and the uh, a full orchestra behind it was amazing actually and actually when it finished i took my son with me and uh with the aim of converting him to like you know dance music <laughs> and then the next day he was pre- he's preparing a spotify playlist of all the tunes so that was a success <laughs> my, my guess would have been that he only would like uh remember sandstorm but yeah, yeah i mean he was yeah. looking forward to that but yeah there was some other ones I, I watched the clip that you you because you posted something yeah, on the I posted, very yeah I posted, that was brilliant yeah, yeah i mean it was i like, love those as well yeah this yeah it, like, was a, it was a great show amazing. and i was really guided actually the only thing that annoyed me was that i couldn't go the next day i would like to have watched it more and more so yeah i would definitely recommend checking that out if i think it's on uli i don't know how long it's on uli but i don't know how long uli yeah. keeps shows yeah, for it's on uli arena I'm, I'm gonna link it in the show notes there might be a geogra- geographical yeah, restriction i don't know time it's definitely worth know how to use vpns exactly. uh, if, if not google it yeah uh, it's how you get the good shit cool um, what an eclectic mix of recommendations yes. this is why people tune in to this. all those people who drop off after 30 minutes and don't tune yeah. out exactly. <laughs> do you know what i mean they've missed out on that again exactly. this is a very much a, a, a mechanism for yeah giving people some incentive to sit through all the exactly oh yeah other than the cutting edge <laughs> conversation right, yeah, yeah. cool well I think we've got this might even be our longest one ever might mm, it yeah let's we've see gone f- it's, our, it's over an hour here on the yeah. display of this very fine recorder <laughs> cool. but let's, let's, see, let's see what this comes down to yeah. well thank you very much for having thank us thank you so much for yeah, having me on sorry it took so long I invited you like a year podcast. ago that's fine yeah that's fine and for being ever. in my book once again yeah, thank you cool and yeah, where yeah. can they buy the book from? Clearly, you're well, interview. basically wherever books are sold. Yeah, good. So like online bookstores and Amazon, and hmm? they're often it's often sitting next to mine, isn't it? We're yeah. like a family of Absolutely. great books. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. buy them all. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right, so buy the, thank buy the you book. both so much. Yeah, thank all you right. very much, Agnes. Yes. All right. Cool. Well, and goodbye, everyone. We don't know when we'll be back next. Thomas is no. Yeah, whenever I get back to it. Okay. Moi, moi. Bye. You've been listening to the Very Finish Problems podcast. Please send any feedback to veryfinishproblems at inktank.fi. This program is published by Inktank Media and produced by Thomas Newberry. Inktank Media is a digital marketing and communications agency which specializes in copywriting, storytelling and social media. Find out more on our website inktankmedia.fi. While this podcast isn't an advertisement, we do occasionally interview representatives of companies we have a business relationship with. Thanks again for listening.